0: show that helps you grow by helping you think clearly, feel deeply and do more of what matters. I'm your host Kenny Lang and today we're talking about my takeaways from the recent Exo Marriage Conference. What is the Exo Marriage Conference? You may not be familiar with it. It is a one or two-day experience that provides expert marriage advice and practical teachings to help couples navigate their marriage journey. Now, my home church of New Covenant Church in Tyler, Texas has been a simulcast partner for the last, I don't know, seven, eight years or so. We always host it. We invite all of the couples in the church. They sign up. We have child care. It's a whole experience. We dress up our, our foyer area. There's snacks. Lots of fun. But I wanted to talk a little bit about... Uh, the key takeaways some things that I felt really hit home for me and maybe they'll hit home for you now the way in which it's structured is we have a Friday night which this time was Valentine's Day Uh, so if you're listening to this far into the future Valentine's Day fell on the EXO Marriage Conference, it felt like everything just synced up in 2020 it was a good year, or at least a good start and Friday night we have a couple of sessions kicking off the whole conference. Saturday morning we come back we hear a few more sessions and we end the whole thing every year with a vow renewal and then we dismiss. Lots of fun. Lots of good information. Great time to hang out with some other couples because sometimes that's hard when you have kids. Uh, but it is some good information that I'm still digesting because it's Monday. It's been a couple of days and There's a lot of things happening since then. But on Friday night, uh, the second speaker, Michael Todd, who's the uh, founding and lead pastor of Transformation Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, super dynamic speaker, always has a ton of energy, uh, funny, engaging, thought-provoking. But he had a couple of uh, points in his topic where he was discussing feeling under, you know, that feeling of I'm under pressure, uh, I'm, I'm under a, a tight deadline, uh, the pressure of a job, it may be the pressure of my marriage, it could be the pressure of being a parent. Maybe it's the pressure of being a, a good Christian or just a good person or whatever it is. There are countless pressures that are put on us and that we put on ourselves each and every day. I'm no stranger to this, and I'm willing to bet you aren't either. And sometimes those are good pressures. Sometimes they're bad pressures, right? There's obviously, there, there's times when uh, there's abusive type pressures or abuse of power on, from someone else on you. Um, but regardless, if you're in control of your own pressure, or it's coming from outside, it can all feel like we're six feet under and there's no hope of seeing sunlight and getting out from underneath it and we start believing the lie that this is how it's always going to be and this will never change. And so one of the two two of the points, two out of his three really stood out to me. And one of them was that trees aren't planted, seeds are. And while You may say, uh, duh, Kenny. Uh, Of course, uh, seeds are planted and that's where we get, you know, vegetation and trees and foliage and all these different things. Well, we have a tendency to think that as soon as we make a a big decision to improve ourselves, uh, you know, it's still towards the beginning of the year and, you know, we might say, well, six weeks into the new year, uh, or even sooner, people have stopped going to the gym, they've quit their diets, they've given up on whatever good practices that they resolved in their hearts to, to do at the beginning of the year. But we always have this, this internal pressure and sometimes external pressure that if we're making a change, if we're trying a new thing, if we're trying to improve a long-standing bad habit or way of living... That we will instantly be the perfected version of whatever outcome that that new habit, that new practice, that new formation was supposed to bring. And while I don't think any of us would really like if we if we took a step back and really looked at what uh, we were expecting, we would tell ourselves, "You're being unreasonable. That's unrealistic. Who transforms overnight?" And Yet we find ourselves feeling the the stress and and a burden about the fact that uh, we've worked out twelve times since the start of the new year, and I still don't have six pack abs, and I'm not running a triathlon, and I'm not in the CrossFit games yet. Uh, we've we've started a new diet, and for whatever reason, um, we've only lost you know five pounds and or I've started a reading habit and now suddenly I'm not the sage of all of of ages and doling out wisdom why don't I have a tv show on the Oprah network yet like we have these unrealistic expectations that as soon as we have the intention that we will have the outcome and whether that's to improve uh, a relationship like your marriage, which you know likely is and in, in is outside of, in my opinion, um, outside of your relationship with God, your marriage is your most important relationship in your life if, if you are married. But all the relationships we have that we want to improve it, we want to open communication, we want to be more empathetic, you know, whatever those things are that need to change, I want to be less angry. Uh, raising my hand on, on that one, um, that the second we show symptoms and signs of doing the old thing, the thing we no longer want to do, or we don't show as fast progress, um, that suddenly we're a failure. And the idea that s- trees aren't planted, seeds are, I think is something that, you know, forgive the bad pun. I am a dad, so dad jokes are allowed. Is that we have to let the seed grow. Now, some people are visual learners. And, and I like a mix of audio, visual, kinesthetic, tactile. These are, these are SAT words. Um, <laughs> the visual he gave was this graphic of, uh, of a flower, a rose. And it had seven stages of growth. Five out of the seven stages barely showed anything on the surface. Few uh, leaf buds, you know, sticking out. But during those five stages, the roots, the, the structure, the health system that was needed for the flower to properly blossom and bloom and be healthy was pushing far down and stretching out. It was giving itself a firm foundation. And then it's only in the last two sections, the last two stages, that you saw this flower come to life. And you're like, oh, wow. Like Sometimes we're only looking for a fully blossomed or bloomed uh, flower in, in our lives. And Not realizing that it's uh, as I've heard different people say and I like is getting in our reps and sets That all the work that goes down below the surface that maybe people aren't seeing Maybe yours is a a mental battle. Maybe it's an emotional battle Uh, Maybe it's a spiritual battle all those things that are really unseen and that's honestly the that's soul work that's that's the place of the mind the will and the emotions where we are and hopefully uh with others um, that we can trust a few people with us are battling these things to make these lifelong changes nobody wants to lose weight for six months and then go back up or above their weight even though that sort of yo-yoing happens Uh, nobody wants to become a much better spouse just to stop being a good spouse nobody wants to be a good parent You know, I'm going to be a good parent for this one school year. And then after that, I'm done. You know, like (laughs) said nobody ever. And so I think if we give ourselves some grace and even we have to extend ourselves some grace from external pressures from people who aren't giving that to us. And maybe we have to communicate that in a confident way and say, look, I'm I'm working through this, but this won't be an overnight success. I think we have to stay in that place, and I think if we'll stay in that place, we'll see that over time, that consistent work and effort, will start to finally see that stage six, that stage seven, that, that place of, of growth, that place of healing, that place of improvement, that place of clarity will come if we'll stick with it. And if we'll stick with people, I think that and that's what I was telling our serving teams over the weekend at, at my church is we've got to be able to stick it out with, these, with people that we see this great potential in. But maybe they've been so wounded and so hurt that they don't feel that they can yet let down their guard and you don't feel like you're making a difference in their lives even though you care about them. Stick with them because there may be work going on below the surface that you can't see. His third point uh, was the place of death and the place of destiny look the same for a season. He he made the illustration that a, a seed and a coffin can look, look the same for a little bit. Both are underground and you don't see anything. Over time, you see the seed springs up, springs forth. There's, you know, whatever the plant is. Hopefully you're not seeing anything spring up out of the you know, ground from a coffin. You know those the zombies, and that's The Walking Dead. And uh, I hope we're all prepared for that. You know, let's find a safe space and form a new community. Um, but you know, you don't want to see um, anything coming out of that place. But for a season, for a time, it will look very similar, and it may even feel similar. So that was something that just it jumped out at me uh, during his talk. Uh, one of the key scriptures he used was out of Philippians 1, and it's in verse 6. And uh, uh, apparently I loaded up the King James Version, so I, I wanted to read it. Not necessarily from that. I like the ESV, English Standard Version. But it says, being confident of this very thing, That which he hath, this is King James, that which he hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Uh, Other translations may say, um, he that began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. So if you feel like a good work is beginning in you or you're starting on your first steps towards a, a good work, that Christ is faithful to walk with you to the completion of that work. So don't give up hope. Don't give up just because it's it's dark. Being in uh, putting down roots is is dark stuff, and it's not until those later stages that we're going to start to see light, and everybody else will start to see the the fruit of all of our hard work and and Christ's hard work in us. One of the other speakers uh, is one of the is the founding pastor, and he had like three separate titles and all this, but Pastor Robert Morris talking about how do we become one and he said something interesting about one flesh versus one spirit. We talk a lot and we have scriptures about becoming one flesh as it relates to marriage, but not often do, do we talk about becoming one spirit which uh Jesus uh in some of his prayers would pray that that we would be one as he is one and and different things like that and that we would be of one spirit. And so he said how do we become one and how do we become one spirit is that you have to die to become one spirit now you have to be unified in order to become one flesh and then that can take on several meanings to become one flesh but to become one spirit you have to die and the follow-up to this is the dominant person has to die first in every relationship there there is a dominant person and maybe the louder person, and maybe the more intense person. Um, but there's typically a dominant person in a relationship. Um, I know for me and my wife, I'm the dominant person. She, my wife, uh, Rebecca, is very sweet, very meek, mild. Uh, she's very confident um, and can stand her ground against anyone. But out of the two of us, I tend to have the more dominant, vocal sort of personality out of the two of us. So when I heard that, I was like, man, that means I've got to die first and I need to figure out what dying for me looks like. When if you are a parent, um, for those of you who are and, and I'm, I'm right there with you, that parents are the dominant one in the relationship with the kid. And I would encourage some of you to rewind that and listen to that, is that if you are the parent, you're the adult, you're guiding the relationship, you should be the dominant one. Don't let your kid raise themselves. They need your guidance. They need that structure so that you know when they're out of your house, that they know how to navigate. That's a, another tangent for a different day. But that means that you're going to have to die and serve your kids and serve them sacrificially, which many of you do, but it often means that we have to get creative in finding new ways to do that, to model that. And the the benefit becomes that, one, they're served. If somebody, it's, uh, it's easy to push away from somebody who's pushing you away. And that's what happens when we get intense situations with our spouses and with our children and our friends and different things. But when someone's pulling towards you, when someone is actively trying to die to their own preferences and put your needs ahead of their own and they're pulling you, that becomes more difficult to push against. And it wins people, o- wins people over and it melts their heart and it allows them to f- feel that this is a safe space for them to live in, to be themselves. And that's when the law of reciprocity starts to kick in and we don't serve to get served right that's manipulation and and I would argue that's not even serving but when someone constantly and consistently dies to themselves and serves you it often prompts you encourages you creates this desire in you to serve them back in the same manner and the healthiest relationships that I have been able to see and witness and read about and the the same for i would imagine you is those relationships are often those people dying to themselves and serving the other and that just the idea of one spirit versus one flesh was just it was really unique and the whole dying and obviously it's the dominant one that hit me a little closer to home um but really cemented in my mind that um part of leading and that's what this podcast is about i know i say leaders get everything but if you're someone who's growing you have leadership and influence wherever you go you may not recognize it but you have it you may not be the ceo of a fortune five company 500 company but you have it you may not have leader manager director whatever in your title but you're a leader Um, if you're a parent a spouse you're a leader and so there are always opportunities to lead better and to lead by serving and to lead by dying to yourself and making those around you better and bringing out the best in them One of the other speakers, uh, he was, uh, I forget in which order, but on Saturday uh, was a pastor by the name of Dan Leanne from New Spring Church in South Carolina. He talked through the story in Mark 4, um, verses 35 through 41, about um, the... Jesus is taking a nap on a boat with his disciples. The disciples are walking around and they see this storm and it's tossing the boat around and Jesus is still conked out, uh, you know, is exhausted, I guess. Um, But they start worrying and then they're like, somebody's got to wake him up and we got to, you know, we're going to, we're going to die. You know, they're in a panic. Jesus gets up and says, peace, be still. And And the storm stops The ocean calms. And they marvel at him. Even though they've been traveling with him a while, they go, wow, like who is this guy? That even the storms, the wind, the waves, they they listen to him, they obey him. And your storm can look like many different things. That was his point. Um, And he talks about silence in the storm. And it talks about that point where Jesus is asleep, but the storm is happening and the disciples are worried. And how many times do we get into financial, relational, uh, job-related, personal-related, um, these different storms of life? Because storms of life happen. If you tell me you have no storms, I'm going to tell you that you're lying. Um, but you have storms in life. And there are times whether you would consider yourself a, um, a devouted, uh, or devout person follower, believer of, of Jesus, uh, or or you don't, there are times when you say, I'm praying. (laughs) I don't know if I believe in what I'm praying or even who I'm, I'm praying to, but there's a lot happening and I could use some help. I could use some help from a higher power, um, to make it through this thing or make it stop or something like that. And so there were three, different statements that we can pull from that section of scripture that uh, Dan talked about. Number one, Jesus is still in the boat. And even though he's asleep, he's still there. He's still present. He's still in the situation. He didn't leave the situation and magically show up, save the day. He's not a superhero. Um, to where he, you know, he's not Superman who just hears a cry. He didn't get a bat signal and he shows up in the middle. No, he was there. When they cast off from their shore, he was there while the storm was going. He was there afterwards. He was in the midst of it. He was on the journey. He didn't just show up, make some magic, and disappear. Like, that's not his style. But he was on the journey with them. So he's still in the boat, even if you don't hear him, even if you can't quite sense out like where, where is he in this situation and then this argument and this hard time and these thoughts of, of depression and, and this battle for uh, respect in the workplace and, and whatever it may be, he's still in the boat. Now the second point was Jesus is still in control. You may not be in control. That doesn't mean Jesus is out of control. We like to confuse our ability to control situations with Christ and Jesus' ability to control situations. What makes us think he's not in control somehow is that, number one, we we say, well, if we're not in control, Jesus isn't. Or, Jesus may be in control, but his timing isn't our timing. Therefore, we think he's not in control. Because I can tell you, for, for me... I struggle with that so much. Is that his timing is not my timing? I want the solution. I want the fix. I want the improvement. I want the transformation. Uh, I want into a situation, out of a situation, through a situation, whatever it may be. I want it now. Uh, I, I sound like uh, was it Veruca Salt on the on Willy Wonka? I want to new loompa now. Like I want my fix, my solution, my improvement now. And what I found is so often that if I were to get it now, I honestly would not be better off in the long run. I may feel better for a second, but not for a lifetime. I wouldn't see the growth, the change, the increased capacity, strength, wisdom, whatever it may be. And there's honestly, there's more variables than, than my mind and your mind and our minds can comprehend at play in our lives. But Jesus sees that. And he says, I'm working all of this together. I just need you to trust my timing. And in a day and an age when so many of our leaders have hurt us and wounded us, and they're human, but I, that, and, and so give them grace, but you don't have to excuse maliciousness um, and put yourself in that position. But we're very, we're not now just critical. We're often cynical of leaders because we've said, I don't think I can trust you to take care of me. I'm just going to take care of myself. And I have to be honest, as someone who maybe many of you are like this, and I would venture a guess that you are, because I, I meet so many people like this, is I'm just going to take care of me. I'll work this out. I'll think my way through this. I'll hustle my way through this. I'll I'll just take the reins because I can't honestly trust my my boss at work, my pastor at church, my spouse in my marriage, my best friend in the situation to help me and to do and deliver on what it is they say. So I'm just going to take over from here and I'm going to make this work to my advantage and my benefit and towards the outcome that I want to see and while there's nothing wrong with taking agency of your life and so many of you I would I would encourage you to see that you do have a choice in so many things that you're not victims that you're not just well whatever happens happens you know i'm just the people're going to do what people're going to do and and yeah they are but you you have a voice you have a vote you have a choice in in your life but After you've taken the agency to make the best decisions and wisdom you and and wise decisions that you can, at some point you've got to turn it over and say, "I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust God in this person. I'm going to believe the best about maybe this other person who has a vote uh, over how your life, you know, turns out with that raise that you asked for, that new job that you're going for, with the." Um, the spouse that you keep fighting with and, and are, you know, in uh, constant tension with. If you're doing anything, especially the things that involve other people, which is most everything in your life, you only have so much control over the situation. And at some point, you've got to turn it over and you've got to trust that person. And if you don't feel like you can trust that person, trust God and trust Christ in your life to move that other person in a wise way not to manipulate them towards whatever it is you want but say god i'm going to trust the outcome of this i can tell you so many times i've i've taken chances with whether it's in my marriage when i've i've seriously wounded and and damaged my marriage and, and my wife is it took some time in different seasons now that we're you know in the spring we'll be married for 11 years so we've had a few knockdown drag outs you know come to jesus meetings and you know when i try to go in and repair that relationship i want us to be better magically i want to be able to say i'm sorry i was wrong let's get over it let's move on and be happy and if any of you have tried that, you're laughing right now because you know how poorly that went for me. When I saw the transformation I wanted was when I did say, I'm sorry, I'm wrong, I'm and start working on those things in myself that led to these different situations and arguments and tensions and and a lack of health in our relationship. I then had to say, okay, I've done all I know to do and I'm going to keep doing good things, the right things, and if I slip and fall or and, and yell or say the wrong thing or didn't say enough of the right things or whatever it may be, I'm just going to trust that God sees my effort and that he's going to work on my wife and, wor- and continue to work in me and that that's going to bring us closer together. And it has happened. It's never been as fast as I wanted. The change and the transformation and the, the brighter tomorrow that, that I desire and that maybe you desire didn't come at the speed that we desired, but it came. And there was a better outcome. It may have been harder, but harder doesn't mean worse. Sometimes harder is better. The last thing that Pastor Dan said was Jesus will act. And I think we've already I've already covered that, so I won't beat a dead horse, but Jesus will act. He may not act in the way you want, he may not act in the timing you want. He may not give you the answer you want. And that's okay. Because he will act. And he sees a bigger picture. If you've ever been a manager, leader, boss, parent, typically you have more information. You have a higher level perspective on the situation than those you're leading, but they can't see that. Those other people can't see that and they become impatient with you. Why can't we do this? And why aren't we doing that? And how come you haven't changed this? And it's not that you don't want to, and you don't want to improve the situation, but you're having to account for more variables in an equation and in a situation than they're aware of. And so their perspective of view is you're not taking action or right action, but in reality, you're trying to come to this better place. You're on your way to act or you are acting, but you're acting in a way that calculates for more than they are calculating with. They are seeing in part what you are seeing in whole and we have to be able to turn around and see that that's the way that God sees things. He sees them in the whole thing, not just our part, not just the other person's part. He sees how this touches everything and everyone it ever could impact and he is acting in that sort of greater good and we are a part of it. And we're rarely, if ever, the whole picture of what's going on in our life because we are so interconnected in our world. The final thing was from uh, some full-time staff members uh, with the Exo Marriage Ministry, uh, Dave and Ashley Willis. They have a book and a podcast of the same name called "The Naked Marriage," and the the wife ashley has been studying and researching for a new book and one of the parts of her research led her into a study of the word shalom which roughly translated just means peace so you may hear that in a lot of jewish culture or you may hear that in rabbinical teachings about um, God granting us shalom, or shalom for you, and it, it's this peace, and it's not the the hippie seventies peace man. Um, I don't know, I sounded like Cheech and Chong right there, but um, shalom. When she did her research, came down to a series of symbols, and uh, you can go and and uh, I think on the EXO, uh, they have a merch merchandise site, and they have a bracelet that has these symbols, but when she got down to what each of those symbols meant, if you put it in a a sentence, stood for breaking the authority of established chaos. That shalom, peace, meant breaking the authority of established chaos. And so I think what I'd like to do is wrap this up by saying... One, by acknowledging the chaos in my life and yours. There's so much randomness. There's things like chaos theory. There, there are things of chaos that seem unexplainable, that seem like havoc in our lives. And sometimes what we can call chaos are really just things we can't understand that are working together um we like to ascribe things we do this with people we don't understand cultures we don't understand situations we don't understand we often mislabel them and oftentimes it's a mislabeling in the negative sense it's usually it's that's where we get um you know all types of of hatred um but the chaos in our lives is there and it's very real and it makes us uncomfortable and so what I would like to say to you and wish for you and pray over you is shalom, is a breaking of the authority of established chaos. That sometimes maybe some authority was established over us by, by parents, by leaders, by those uh, in authority over us established some sort of chaos over us. He didn't ask for it, but it was granted to you. Um, in those sort of situations, I think about the, the different kids that my wife and I foster is that they were put in a situation that they didn't ask for. They were handed uh, a set of cards, you know, the cards you're dealt. They were dealt some cards that they didn't ask for. Some, somebody, their biological parents Who have authority over their children as a parent you're you have god-given authority and legal authority over your children and if you usher in chaos you've established that over their lives and they were helpless to stop it but maybe there's some things in your life where you have handed over the authority remember i talked a little bit about choice um a few minutes ago is you have choice you have agency over your life you have control over the choices you make and 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 those decisions and so maybe there are things in your life destructive tendencies behavior um you've given authority to those things over your life and they've brought chaos they have established chaos there's a root of chaos in your life and maybe that's from an addiction in your life maybe that's to um giving into an emotional state of of anger um and and uh, you know other things you've handed over authority now sometimes those things again they come on you sometimes what feels like chaos is a chemical thing and so i'm not dismissing anything and i'm not here to have a debate about emotional disorders and if Those things and addictions, and if there are diseases and all these things, at all times you have a choice. But I understand that there may be a certain uh, level of chaos or chemicals that you're fighting against. And so I'm not advocating for some woo woo fix to all of your problems. But I would pray over you and ask that you take authority over yourself, that you break those negative authorities of established chaos in your life that you say no more. And and for those of you who think in terms of legacy, maybe you're in a later stage of life, you're in those golden years. Maybe you're in the midst in the thick of it of of your professional career development and developing your marriage and raising your family and that's, you know, the he- heaviest thickest time of your life. And it just feels like utter chaos. And I would say Pray this peace, this shalom over you, over your family, over your legacy. Maybe you came from a family that was so chaotic, so destructive, so dysfunctional, and you said, no more. My kids will not live in a house that um, encourages and allows hatred and alcoholism, and abuse, and things like that. Maybe you said, we have a history, I have a friend of mine who has taken the stand of a family who has dealt with alcohol and drug addiction and frequent and, and lengthy stays in uh, jail, in our prison system. And he was given to that and And at times followed that path until he finally said, no more, this stops with me. And now he and his wife, who have been married for a decade and have three beautiful daughters, they are a testimony to breaking established chaos in your family. Even if you feel like there's nothing going for you, Christ is going for you. Even if you feel like everyone has authority over you, you still have authority over you. And so my encouragement is that you would say shalom over your life. I'm breaking the authority of established chaos and it will go no further in my life and the lives of those I love and lead. So may you... I'm channeling my inner Rob Bell here, but may you be a seed that's planted and that you would nurture and fertilize and water yourself until you are a tree and can do that for others. May you die to yourself and become one spirit with your spouse and your kids and that you would live selflessly. May you see that Jesus is in the boat, in control, and trust that he will act on your behalf and in your best interest and with love. And may you experience the shalom, the breaking of, of the authority of established chaos in your life this week and forevermore. Remember, we're better when we rise together. And until next time, keep rising.